Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 268. One big push Royal Caribbean is going with these days is providing internet access while at sea on its cruise ships. Some people find it really useful, while others prefer to stay unconnected. Regardless, more internet access is available to cruise guests all the time, and this week, we're going to look at how you can get connected at sea and some of the best ways to save money on internet access on your Royal Caribbean ship. Here we go. These days, staying connected while on your Royal Caribbean cruise is a really important aspect of any cruise vacation because not only is it a matter of being able to maybe communicate with everybody on board via your ship, but also I think it's really about you know being able to share the experience, stay connected and informed of what's going on in the real world. And, and whereas in the past, perhaps, when we go on a Royal Caribbean cruise, having the internet was a novelty or a nice-to-have but not really critical, I feel like these days a lot more people want to be connected on their cruise vacation. Again, it's not necessarily to do work or anything like that. The internet is part of our lives. And going on a Royal Caribbean cruise means you people still want to be online and be able to take advantage of it. So this week I wanted to talk about Royal Caribbean's onboard internet options. Quite a bit has changed with Royal Caribbean's internet over the last couple of years. And quite frankly, it's still changing. It's still evolving. And it's only getting better. That's really the name of the game. If, you're, if you want the really condensed version, a.k.a. the TLDR, too long, did not read uh, summary. It really is that it's getting better all the time. So let's talk about Royal Caribbean's internet options if you're new to Royal Caribbean or just want to look over what their choices are. Royal Caribbean offers something called Voom, uh, V-O-O-M. Sometimes people mispronounce it Boom or Vroom or Shroom. No, wait, that's something else. (laughs) The whole thing's... Anyway, it's Voom. It's the marketing slogan for what Royal Caribbean calls its internet. Now, all Royal Caribbean ships have what Royal Caribbean calls Voom, but it's not all the same. We'll get into that in a little bit. But basically, Voom, again, is a marketing term, and Voom's internet is what you can purchase for your cruise. You can either purchase an internet plan. Typically, these are purchased either before the cruise or even during the sailing as well, kind of like a drink package where you get a certain amount of devices to be able to connect it at the same time to be able to use throughout your cruise. Back in the day, a long, long time ago, if you wanted an internet package, you had to worry about things like, you know, how how many hours you wanted to be connected or anything like that. Royal Caribbean's gone away from that. It is really now all about unlimited plans. And basically, you purchase an unlimited plan that covers a certain amount of devices. So in a very basic standpoint, you'd have a one-device unlimited plan, which allows one device at a time to be connected to Royal Caribbean's internet for for the entire duration of your cruise. There's no measuring your time. It's really from when you get on board until the cruise is over, you can connect to that. Now, they also have multi-device plans, which allow up to five devices at a time to be connected. What this means is you can have two, three, four, five devices connected at a time without having to log them out. Now, let me ask answer some really basic questions. Yes, you can log out of one device and then log into another device. If you buy, if you buy a one-device plan, and you and your spouse both have a phone you'd like to be able to use every now and then, well, that's fine. One of you can use it, and then you'd log out on your device and then log in on the other device. Keep doing that ad infinitum, right? I mean, there's you can do that for as many devices as you have. You have your phone, your iPad, your laptop. Again, you're only limited to how many devices you can have logged in simultaneously. And there's no limit on the total number of devices you can have. Just keep in mind that if you buy the one-device plan, then it's only one device at a time. If you buy the five-device plan, then five devices can be logged in at the same time. And that's basically how it works. And with Royal Caribbean's internet, you can do a lot of the basic functions you would do at home, like using, obviously, web browsing, checking email, uploading photos, video chat, VPN. We'll get into some of that other stuff in a little bit, but... 
it's definitely possible to do a lot of the tasks you would do at home. Now, let's talk about the speeds because that's probably the most second common question. Like, How does the Internet actually work? As I mentioned, Railgrain calls the Internet a boom across the fleet. A little bit of a history lesson here. Back in the day, when Railcrimine came up with its Oasis and Quantum class ships, they developed this new type of internet called Voom. And it first debuted on Quantum of the Seas, and then was rolled out to Oasis and Allure of the Seas. And then at one point, it reached all the Oasis class and all the Quantum class ships. And the idea was it offered a true internet experience like you would have at home. So you could do things like FaceTime video, watch Netflix, do all those awesome things. The rest of the fleet didn't have Voom. It just had a more traditional, slower internet experience because, historically speaking, internet has been really slow on cruise ships. You have to remember that when you're on a cruise ship, you're in the middle of the ocean, and there's no line, there's no cable line that's being tethered back to shore. So the cruise ships get their internet via satellite. And traditionally, with satellite technology, it would blanket an entire area, right? You you pay for the satellite coverage, and it would blanket the entire, let's just say for easy description, the Atlantic Ocean, right? And as long as your ship is somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, it'd be covered. The thing is, it's got to de- deliver that bandwidth across that entire area. And what that means is you don't have a lot of bandwidth to work with, which means it gets really slow. So Royal Caribbean partnered with a company called O3B a couple of years ago. They still work with them now. And O3B came up with a new idea. They said, well, that old way covers a lot of places, but covers a lot of places with a, with very poor performance. But if you could just instead do a narrow band and literally target a specific area and follow it around, then you could deliver a much better experience. And actually, this technology was developed for developing countries where internet, high-speed internet really isn't a thing, like in Africa or somewhere else in the world. And But Royal Caribbean got a hold of them and said, hey, this is great. For the cruise ships, what happens is this beam, if you will, follows the ships around and allows the ships to stay connected with a high-speed connection. So fast forward a little bit. Royal Caribbean said, oh, this is great. It's selling really well. People really like it. And it does allow you to do, like, everything, Skype calls, Netflix, watch Hulu, and all those things. And so Royal Caribbean decided to brand its internet Voom because it was a difference maker. Quite frankly, Royal Caribbean's onboard internet is truly amazing and much better than any of its peers. But Royal Caribbean went the step further and say, okay, its entire fleet is going to have Voom Internet, which sounds great. Hey, the whole fleet, 25 ships having high-speed internet sounds great. But the reality is not all ships have the same level of internet. The Oasis and Quantum class certainly do have that same typical high-speed performance. Also, Majesty of the Seas offers really good internet. I'm not sure how that quite worked out, but there you go. But the rest of the ships in the fleet tend to have slower experiences. It can still do a lot of the basic things. And really outside of video, so if you take out the video component like being able to, you know, FaceTime or watch Netflix, if you're just interested in, you know, web surfing and uploading photos and going on Facebook and email and I think what most people typically do on the internet sans video, it does a really good job with it and it's actually fairly inexpensive on top of that. And we'll get to those prices in a little bit. But The reality is the performance is pretty darn good. Even on the other ships in the fleet, it will still allow you to do some a lot of the things you like to do online. It's just, you know, not quite to the same level if you go on an Oasis or Quantum class ship. That being said, it's still, again, A, fairly inexpensive, B, superior to a lot of different other cruise lines' internet experiences, and C, still the best way to stay connected while on board the ship. 
If you're wondering how much this internet's going to cost you, well, you need to purchase an internet plan. You can do this before the cruise or once on board, typically online before the cruise, you will find discounts available. And these discounts are better than the price you'll get on board the ship. So just like drink packages, I do recommend if you're interested in getting internet, purchase it before you're sailing. Now, Royal Caribbean offers two types of internet plans. There is the surf and stream and the surf, also known as the surf voyage plans. Surf and stream is the fastest option you will find available on that ship. And the surf or surf voyage, whatever they call it, is the slower one. Now, Rokamine advertises it as surf and stream allows you to do everything. And whereas the surf doesn't allow you to do video. The reality is that the surf option is just throttled down to a point in which video doesn't work. But it also affects, quite frankly, in my experience, the other online things you're doing. It's a slower internet experience. So regardless of what you're looking to do, even if you're not interested in doing video or watching videos on board your ship, doesn't matter. I highly recommend Surf and Stream. It's just a better total experience, period. Now, I'm going to give you some prices. These are the 2018 prices for Royal Caribbean's Voom Internet. And again, these prices are based on kind of the prices I've seen across the fleet so far. But keep in mind, these prices may change here or there. And again, these are the onboard prices, not what you're going to see in the cruise planner, which will be cheaper. We'll get to that. For a one-device unlimited plan with Surf and Stream, it'll be $19.99 per day per device. Two-device plan, $18.99 per day per device. Four devices, $16.99 per day per device. And they also offer a single-day pass, which you cannot buy online. You can only buy it on board the ship for $29.99 per day per device. So again, obviously, the more devices you add on, the cheaper the options are per device, right? Obviously, you're paying more, but the per-device cost goes down. And even at the one device plan, $19.99, $20 a day, it's still pretty darn good. I've been to a lot of different hotels that offer a high-speed option around that price anyway, and it is light years better in price than what was previously offered. I remember when I first started cruising on Royal Caribbean and in the infancy of RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, I used to spend hundreds of dollars on really slow, bad internet. I mean, just to the point where it was just, uh, you know, just awful, like uploading photos were really a struggle. And so in today's world, it's just so much better. Uh, So definitely something to consider. Now, if you're talking about, of course, the experience on board, it varies. Like I said, if you're on an Oasis or Quantum class ship or even Majesty of the Seas, it's truly great. The Internet works extremely well. It really is what Royal Caribbean says of being in the, um, you know, land-based Internet experience. It works that well. There's nothing really to worry about. And it'll it'll work really, really well. So there's nothing to, to be concerned with. On other ships in the fleet, I think you just have to temper your expectations. And this is true, you know, of a lot of the experiences when you're dealing with onboard internet. Look, you're on a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean, it's not quite the same thing as being on land, but it's pretty darn close. And for basic internet use when you're on board the ship, it works pretty darn well most of the time. Can there be dropouts? Absolutely. Are there areas of the ship that maybe works better than others? Yes. Uh, typically staterooms. Some staterooms struggle with the internet signal in the room. Some don't. It, it quite frankly, varies a lot. Uh, I, th- I find that in general, the internet works better in public spaces. So even though Royal Caribbean ship's internet is supposed to work from aft to bow in the sense that it's completely covered. Back in the day, again, there only used to be hot spots on board the ship. Now it's covered across the entire ship. But there are still areas that it works better. And like public areas tend to work better, like the internet by the on the pool deck or on the rail promenade or in the centrum tends to, in my experience, be a little quicker, a little snappier than maybe internet in a lounge somewhere or somewhere where you're on one end of the ship, so to speak. Again, your experiences are always going to vary. And I also believe that your internet experience is going to be based on who's around you. So 
if you're on the pool deck and it's the middle of the men's belly flop competition and you got everyone out there with their phones trying to show it to their friends and family at home, the internet's going to stink, right? It's it's tough because the uh, not to get into too terrible of a uh, technical discussion here, but it it gets there's a choke point with the amount of people trying to connect to the internet at that one particular spot on the ship. But if you were simultaneously somewhere else on the ship, if you're able to beam yourself to the Royal Theater as an example, where assuming there's no show going on at that time, I find that the internet would work better because the routers essentially get overwhelmed. But Again, I, this can happen in real-world scenarios as well. You just, have, I think, have to have an open mind with it and understand, okay, if it doesn't work, try again in a little bit. Now, for staying connected on board the ship, Voom Internet is the simplest, quite frankly, the safest solution for being connected. Let's face it, we all bring our phones anyway on the ship, right? This is in the old days of, oh, I need to bring my laptop on board to be connected. Not the case. Everyone's at least got their phones, if not their iPads or their tablets. And, you know, computers are still kind of the, not quite the norm, but... You know, we have plenty of devices to be connected. And one of the nice things of having an internet package is it allows you to leverage certain messaging applications to be able to communicate with people on board the ship. So if you have, you know, a phone and your spouse has a phone, your kids have phones, which is probably safe assumptions across the board, you can text each other quite easily. In fact, uh, a number of uh, devices will will offer the option to simply use a Wi-Fi connection to be able to use your phone. So, like, one of the good things you should always do on a Royal Caribbean ship is when you get on board the ship, put your phone into airplane mode to prevent roaming charges. But if you have Wi-Fi calling available, which many carriers offer these days, you can then enable Wi-Fi calling, turn your phone into airplane mode, though, and be able to, well, you could make phone calls, but you can also text quite easily. Alternatively, you could just use a texting app like Facebook Messenger or Skype or WhatsApp or a variety of other options that are out there and be able to message each other easily uh it, it's certainly the the simplest option but uh, look if you're you know family of four you're going to need to pay for four devices 16.99 per day per device it, you know it's not cheap it's not the cheapest option out there but it is a simple option quite frankly and i think it's one of the best ways to, to go about it there are alternatives to to that as well uh we should mention but again if you're looking for the purposes of internet well, this is what it's all about. Now, in terms of discounts, there are usually discounts available before the cruise via Royal Caribbean's Cruise Planner. In fact, quite frankly, there's a lot of discounts offered these days in the Cruise Planner. Basically, every oh, couple weeks, Royal Caribbean will have a Cruise Planner sale. And I always post them on royalcaribbeanblog.com to alert everybody. It's usually on weekends. They usually last for the duration of the week. It's sometimes a little bit longer. But they'll often discount the price. And yes, the price is cheaper than it will be on board the ship. So if you're interested in getting one, it is absolutely the best thing to to you know to go about it because you're just going to save money. There's no reason not to purchase it on board the ship. The only exception would be you know if you're if you have status in Royal Caribbean's Crown and Anchor Society, right? Your your repeat cruiser. The repeat cruisers do get a discount from Crown and Anchor Society on internet packages. The problem is you can't apply it before the cruise, and a lot of times the pre-cruise discount is better than any discount you can get as a Crown and Anchor Society member, the exception being once you get to like Diamond or Diamond Plus, then the math starts getting a little funky. Let's talk a little bit about discounts and things to other options for you. One option is you don't have to purchase it before the cruise. You can purchase it during the cruise. Heck, you can purchase it at any other point during the cruise and, and be able to take advantage of it. And if you buy it, the internet package on day three of your seven-night cruise, that's okay because you only be charged for the remaining days. It's prorated and that may actually save you more money because if you're saying to yourself, well, look, I really don't need the internet on the first couple of days of my cruise. I only want it for the rest of the cruise. Then you're set to go. Likewise, if you just want the 24-hour pass, you might be able to get the internet on day two and the last day. 
hey, that's probably maybe that's cheaper than getting it for the duration of your cruise. You got to kind of play that math. A good little strategy a lot of people tend to take advantage of, a really good secret, is to wait till day two to buy the internet. And there's a good strategy, especially if you're a repeat cruiser with this. Shout out to Royal Caribbean blog reader Twangster for actually enlightening us with this tip. Basically, if you skip the internet, you don't buy it before the cruise, and you skip the internet on day one, and you buy it on day two, and then take advantage of your Crown and Anchor Society discount, a lot of times that discount can outperform any pre-cruise discount you'd be able to get before you're sailing. So, and the rationale for this idea of skipping day one is, well, first of all, when you get on board the ship, you have your cell phone coverage for while you're still in port. You don't lose your cell phone coverage until you get a couple miles out to sea. And by that point, we're, you're talking about, oh, I don't know, you know, maybe five, six, seven o'clock at night, sometimes later and in certain ports like Baltimore or Tampa, you're surrounded by land for a lot longer. So you don't really ever lose your cell phone coverage until well into the evening. And if you're willing to say, okay, I'm going to just skip the onboard internet and maybe even go forego the internet in general, you know, cell phone coverage included for, you know, let's say 5 p.m. until, you know, the next day, then you can actually take advantage of those better savings because you can stack not only the prorated discount you're going to get by purchasing on day two, but also take advantage of that crown and anchor discount. And that can be a really good strategy for you to go with. Uh, and again, it depends. And obviously the higher in crown and anchor status you are, the better, but you know, something to consider as an, as an option uh, beyond the pre-cruise discount, which is quite frankly, pretty darn good these days. It's one of the things I actually, you should check a lot because the discount can vary in terms of what the price will be, especially uh, before the cruise. So if you, you're looking to, you know, plan your cruise and you're looking at internet prices for your cruise six months ahead of time, which is great. You know, take advantage of the price, book it, but keep checking back every now and then because a lot of times the price tends to move up and down. It can move up, it can move down. And oftentimes there'll be a little bit of a sweet spot where it will drop and maybe you'll be able to take advantage of a price drop. So definitely uh, look for prices before the cruise. Don't be afraid to cancel and rebook because with purchases you make on Royal Caribbean's cruise planner site, this is true of anything, not just internet packages. You can always cancel and rebook with no penalty when it comes to pre-cruise purchases. So definitely something to take advantage of. So a couple other things we want to talk about when it comes to the internet at sea and kind of understanding, you know, some basics of it. And kind of, I wanted to kind of wrap this up with an overview of what the online internet experience is really going to be like. Kind of paint a picture of expectations. And the internet that's available on your ship is going to be good. And on some ships, this is really good. But it's never quite as reliable as your home internet or any internet you get really on land. I mean, it's just the bottom line. It's 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 It can get very close. And in some cases, like I said, on some of the newer ships in the fleet, it does really well. But it's never quite the same. Uh, look, it's just the nature of trying to deliver internet via the air instead of via a cable, right? It's just, it, <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot to that. Also, if your itinerary is going to a place that has a lot of natural barriers, uh, in Alaska, this happens quite a bit. In the Norwegian fjords, I'm told, this happens as well, where you have high mountains that can literally block the signal. You can have a lot of outages. So... It's not uncommon to have these, and it's not uncommon also just to have be in the middle of the ocean, and oops, there goes the internet. All of a sudden, nothing loads. Give it a couple minutes. You know, obviously, if there's a lot of congestion, if there's a lot of people trying to upload photos, that example I gave earlier with the belly flop competition, everyone trying to upload their photos at the same time or live stream it for their friends. Look, there's only so much internet you can use, and congestion can be a problem. But the reality is it's still pretty good. It still works fairly well throughout the time, and for basic messaging, you know, look, you want to use the internet, 
for, you know, basically sitting on checking Facebook while you're sunning yourself and being able to, you know, text or communicate on board. It works extremely well for that. And number two, uh, I think when it comes in terms of pricing, keep looking for discounts. There's a lot of discounts that are available via Royal Caribbean's cruise planner. Uh, so definitely go there. If you know you're going to get the internet, definitely pre-purchase it. It's the way to go. And with Royal Caribbean's internet packages, they're all unlimited. So there's no, you know, measuring how many megabytes you're using or how much time you're on. I know some other cruise lines still have that model. Royal Caribbean does not. The closest thing you're going to find to that is that 24-hour pass. Now, Royal Caribbean, one other thing I should mention, sometimes I get questions about, is there an internet cafe on board the ship? Some ships do still offer internet cafes. My advice is don't use them. They're old, clunky computers. Don't use them. You have your own device. If you have a phone that is like was made in the last five years, it's probably superior to anything that's on there. Just use that. It's a whole lot better, and I don't rely on their onboard computers to do that. Uh, kind of a thing. So definitely uh, something to keep in mind. Also, there are alternatives to the internet. If you're looking to say, look, I want to be able to be connected, but I also don't want to pay for an internet package because quite frankly, I'm not going to use it all or I'm looking for other options. There are ways around buying an internet package. Certainly, you'll be able to get internet when you're in on shore. Almost every port you visit, almost every port, will have an option. You know, you go into town and there's internet cafes. There may be free internet. A lot of cases, you go to like a bar or restaurant and as long as you buy something, they'll let you use the internet there. And these are going to be significantly cheaper. You know, well, it depends on how much your bar bill is, I suppose. But in a lot of cases, buying the internet in these in these ports of call will offer for what most people are looking to do, right? Check your email, make sure no one's, you know, really looking for you or anything like that. And then when you're back on the ship, you know, you can certainly uh, go without it and forego it. So kind of depends what you were looking to do. But definitely a good strategy is you don't need to get the internet package if you're just wanting, you know, some casual access to it. Being on shore is a great strategy for some folks who are just interested in being able to, you know, check on things here and there. Sometimes some beaches you visit will have it, but in a lot of cases they will be a better price. So uh, something to keep in mind there. If you've got some mission critical internet stuff to do, I don't know what it could be. Like maybe you need to upload some photos, or you, do, you need to do a little bit of work and upload documents. By far, the best time to take advantage of the internet is in off hours, especially late at night or early in the morning when there's less people using it it's going to be a better performance. I mean, if you can wake up at 6 a.m., you're going to have a really good internet experience because there's not a lot of other guests that are using it. So definitely keep that in mind. And my last tip about the internet is to look for combo deals. Sometimes Royal Caribbean will offer a combination option where you'll have the internet package combined with a drink package option. And believe it or not, these are actually good deals to have because basically they give you a discount for combining them. It's kind of like going to you know, a fast food restaurant and getting the number seven meal, right? It's the sandwich, the fries, and the drink. It's cheaper than buying the individual items a la carte. Same is true for this. Not, not offered on all ships and all sailings, but something to look to, especially if you're already planning on getting those things. I wouldn't necessarily order it if you weren't planning on getting either the drink package or the internet package, but, you know, something to keep in mind. It's usually packaged, if there is an option, it's going to be combined with the unlimited alcohol option, but sometimes we, we've also seen it with the either the soda package or the refreshment package. It varies. You never know. But something else to keep in mind. So that's what you need to know to be connected on a Royal Caribbean cruise. All right, my friends. Time to jump into this week's email segment where I dive, reach, gently pull out, dust off, and answer and read your emails you've sent me. Uh, regarding, quite frankly, anything about your Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, you can always do so by sending it to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email this week comes to us from 
uh, comes from Brad, who writes, Matt, love your show, and must admit, even though you say it all the time, I've never understood why a travel agent is a must. We recently decided to book our second roller coaster cruise and decided to give MEI Travel a try based on your recommendation. I wanted to share my experience because I could have never made this all happen without Michelle at MEI Travel. We'll be sailing Brilliance of the Seas in February, and Michelle started giving us price point options, and she found the only interior room with the fold-out couch, which was very desirable. Then, channeling my inner Matt, I asked about doing two connecting, and we decided to book that for our family of four. 24 hours later, my mom and in-laws all decided they wanted in, and Michelle didn't miss a beat, reworked everything, and by moving people around on paper, we ended up reducing the cost per person. She found us great rooms and was very quick to reply to all my needy emails. Please let the folks at MEI know that Michelle was great. Other than sharing this little success story about using a travel agent, wanted to ask if you have any quick tips for Tampa, Grand Cayman, or Berlin to the Seas. Thanks for all your work. Great question, Brad. And first and foremost, thank you so much for supporting our sponsor, MEI Travel. It means a lot. It's one of the best ways you can support what we do here at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. A lot of folks... After they discover RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com and they really come to appreciate everything we do here, say, Matt, how can I give back? How can I keep this going and support what you're doing here? And I always appreciate that notion. I tell them there's two things you can really do to directly support RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Number one, you can become a RoyalCaribbeanBlog insider. It's our monthly donation program where you can literally give money back to the blog and help support what we're doing here. And number two, you can support our sponsor. And that, of course, is MEI Travel. So there's definitely a correlation between the two. And I'm so glad to hear not only are you supporting them, but I would argue even more importantly, you're getting great service out of it. So you're going on a cruise of Brilliance of the Seas and you want to know information about your port's quick tips. First and foremost, I am going on Brilliance of the Seas, uh, not on this week, but next week's uh, I'll be on Brilliance of the Seas doing a live blog at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So be sure to check that out. Uh, I'll be doing it live, and you can always see some past live blogs I've done, and Michael Poole has done as well on Brilliance of the Seas. It's a fabulous ship. Um, to find these, by the way, the live blogs, just go to uh, BrillianceOfTheSeas.live, L-I-V-E, BrillianceOfTheSeas.live. Of course, if you're looking at this next week, you can just go to RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, be right on the homepage, and you'll spot it there as well. Um, but Brilliance is a fabulous ship. Selling out of Tampa is super easy. I highly recommend just parking at the port. Quite frankly, I think I recommend parking at the port for every port I visit. But I would tell you for Tampa, it's so easy. Uh, there's uh, very convenient parking options there. Actually, if you're going to park at the port, I'm going to go one step further and recommend the valet parking. Boy, is it nice. It costs a little bit extra. But if your goal is to, when you're getting off the ship and you're crying and depressed and you just, I can't believe my vacation's over. <laughs> well, the, the best thing you can have is... The valet, because, you know, when the cruise is over, it's like a, you need to, like, rip it off like a band-aid, you know? And the valet was, I was amazed by when we did on Majesty of the Seas. Uh, we had to, actually, I had to be home pretty quickly for work that day. So, you know, if you've got somewhere to be, whether it's the airport or you're going home or wherever, a good frame of reference is to do that. In terms of things on Brilliance of the Seas, there's a lot of great things on board the ship. I will link in our show notes at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com to an article about the top 10 Brilliance of the Seas hidden secrets. I'll tell you one of them right now, just because I'm a... That's the kind of guy I am. But I'll tell you that uh, in addition to the... In the list of ten we have, one of my favorite things about Brilliance of the Seas is to catch sail away while on board the, uh, the, the helipad. It's one of the best spots you can go on. Not all ships offer this, but Brilliance of the Seas is one of them. On sail away, whether it's from Tampa or Grand Cayman or, or anywhere you're visiting, go down to the helipad on deck four, I believe. Walk all the way forward. And then you're literally going to run into the helipad. Amazing views to see sail away from there. So that's definitely a good tip for that. For Grand Cayman, that's a tender port. So make sure you 
watch your time. One of the best places, things to do in Grand Cayman, if you ask me, Seven Mile Beach. Basically, Seven Mile Beach is, well, as you might imagine, a beach that is roughly seven miles long. Uh, there isn't just, like, one beach. It's not like Megan's Bay and St. Thomas where there's, like, this one beach. It's a long stretch of beaches. So, depending on what you want to do, I, my recommendation is, you know, get off the ship, take the tender over. It's a really quick tender ride. And then tell a taxi cab driver, hey, I'd like to go to Seven Mile Beach. I'm looking for a part of the beach that offers XYZ. You know, you're really interested in this place that's just, you want to just put down a, a towel and not pay anything and just kind of hang out. You can do that. There's some that offer more services, like, you know, maybe bar service or beach chairs. Anyway, you don't need to book an excursion for all this. You can easily do this on your own. There are also other things in Grand Cayman. Grand Cayman is known for. There's a tourist trap called Hell. And so you could say, hey, I went to hell, or you can go to hell, and I did as well, or something like that. Send postcards from there, and the postmark says, hey, it's a tourist trap. It's, it's like, you know, it's, it's a gimmick, right? But people like that. There's also a turtle farm that's quite popular in Grand Cayman. Good stuff to do. Uh, Grand Cayman is also known for Stingray City, if you're into that whole swimming with fish touching you thing, which I can't. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. But <laughs> there's that option as well. Uh, but those are probably the big ones to do in Grand Cayman. And uh, in, in general, it's uh, and the other thing you asked about Tampa. I mean, I talked about parking, but if you have time, spend some time in Tampa because it's a beautiful city. There's great breweries. There's a lot of craft breweries in Tampa. Uh, there's a, an amazing aquarium as well. Fabulous beaches, not too far away. So um, it's a good place to visit, no question about it. So, uh, Brad, thank you for the email. Appreciate all that. Let's move on to our next email. Who writes, uh, it's emails from Tom, who writes, Hi Matt, I have two daughters, 16 and 18. Can my 18-year-old attend the teen events with my 16-year-old, even though the age requirements say up to 17? There seem to be, they seem to be at the ages where the cruise ship actually separates them from enjoying the cruise together because of the age restrictions. Tom, thank you for the email. Unfortunately, you can't because your 18-year-old is, by definition, an adult. Being 18 years old, you're no longer a, a child. You're not, it's a different pro, you're not outside the program. And even though they're probably separated by who knows how many months, doesn't count. No, the answer is no. The teen events are for teenagers who are 17 years old or younger. It's for the safety of all guests out there, and it's just the rules, the rules, the rules. So I know that's not the answer you're looking for, um, but yeah, I know we, sometimes we get a lot of these questions about, oh, my kid is this age, but they're supposed to be this age to participate, and they do that. And when you're within the, con- if they're 17 or younger, there's a little bit of leeway, but once you get 18... It's pretty much it, dude. You're kind of out of luck, unfortunately. So, uh, Next, we have an email from Kim who writes, Hey, Matt, I'd love to hear uh, what you plan for our upcoming cruise. We're sailing on Symphony of the Seas in March 2019. Seven days, three ports, St. Thomas, St. Martin, and Nassau. I've been to St. Thomas before, but as I recall, we did the Sky Tour ski lift thing and had bushwhackers at the drink at the top. Lovely view. We might be interested in doing this again as it wasn't too expensive and was within walking distance of the ship. In St. Martin, you've never been. I think you have a driver here you like. Husband uh, has a desire to see Maho Beach. What else? And then Nassau, maybe Atlantis? Not sure what else is there to do in Nassau. We're a group of adults who will be at home. We're looking forward to the new ship and all it has to offer, along with nice, relaxing days. Wow, I love planning other people's days and spending their money. It's a lot of fun. St. Thomas, uh, you've done the the uh, Have in Sight lift thing, which I that's not the name of it, but... I know what you're talking about. Basically, it's this, um, literally, it's like a gondola ride that goes up the top of this mountain. You can look out there. It's pretty darn cool. And uh, you can see the whole view. It's really, really nice. And Royal Caribbean has changed where they dock in St. Thomas. They used to dock in Havensite, which is off to the, not downtown, but off to the side. It was real, you could literally walk, like you said, Kim, 
to that. Anyway, that doesn't exist anywhere now. Royal Caribbean docks in town, so that's not you can't walk to it. But it's neither here nor there, at least. I'm just pointing it out for other folks as well. My number one go-to thing in St. Thomas, if you've never done it before, and it sounds like you haven't, is Megan's Bay. It's fabulous. Uh, it's one of the most beautiful beaches in the whole wide world. They do a really great job there. Definitely go to Megan's Bay. If you're looking for another option, I might say, how about a shopping slash beach day combo? Go downtown to Charlotte Amalier. That's the name of the city there in St. Thomas. Do some shopping in town. And when you get hot, tired, or spend enough of your husband's money, then go on over to uh, Emerald Beach. Emerald Beach is a lot closer to the, the, the where your ship docks. Like, Megan's Bay is on the other side of St. Thomas. So it's a bit of a drive. Not like crazy. I'm not talking like an hour or so, but... It's a longer car ride, and the one in Emerald Beach is a lot closer. It's beautiful, in fact, and it's still a great spot. To quote or paraphrase, I should say, the taxi driver that I once used, I said, hey, I want to go to Megan's Bay, and he's like, listen, have you been there before? I'm like, yeah. He's like, look, all the beaches here in St. Thomas are beautiful. Why should you drive all the way over there when you can go right over here, and I can bring you there for a fraction of the time and fraction of the cost? And the guy was right. It was a really nice beach. The worst thing I can say about it is it's kind of near the airport. So occasionally you'll see airplanes flying by. It's, I don't think it's a big deal, but um, definitely a good spot over there. St. Martin, I like doing a little potpourri, like not committing to one particular thing in St. Martin. I do have a driver that I've used many, many times, continue to use him every single time I go to St. Martin. His name is uh, Leo Brown. Uh, Kim, if you email me, Matt at RoyalCarminBlog.com, I'll send you his uh, phone number so you can contact him. Uh, but regardless if you use him or another driver, I love to just go around St. Martin and kind of get a little taste of each thing. Like you start off the day, my favorite thing to do is skip breakfast on the ship, go take a taxi over to the French side, go to the capital, Marigo, and have breakfast or brunch, whatever time it happens to be there. Have a nice like traditional French bakery type experience, you know? Some coffee, a baguette, some cheese. Oh, so good. And then uh, when you're had your fill, maybe go to Grand Case, uh, G-R-A-N-D-C-A-S-E. It's a beautiful beach, lesser known beach, by far the most popular or well-known beach in Grand, or sorry, in St. Martin, is going to be uh, Orient Beach. But Grand Case is actually uh, lesser known, but still absolutely gorgeous beach to go to, less crowded, great spot to go there. Maho Beach, as your husband alluded to, is that beach where all the airplanes land, like, really, really close to the beach. Like, you've seen videos of them. Inevitably, there's some people on the beach, and the airplane, like, looks like it's landing, like, right on top of their heads. You can do that. It's a bit of a tourist trap as well. Like, as in, it's fine to go see there. If you've never done it before, yes, you should go see it. See, like, one or two airplanes. It's fun. It's cool. But I can't imagine spending the whole day there, quite frankly. Although, maybe some people do. I don't know. But not my thing. I like to see, you know, one or two airplanes and then be on your way. And if you have time, you can maybe hit up Phillipsburg, which is the city you're that's right where you dock at. You can do some shopping there, some more dining, or just head right back to the ship if you're overheated and need a break. So uh, there you go. Nassau, Atlantis is really nice. Atlantis is great. The problem with Atlantis is it's really expensive, like super expensive, like, whoa. Um, and that's the problem. It's a great spot. Don't get me wrong, but kind of pricey. If you're looking for a good alternative for kind of a day, spend the day at the beach, but don't want to pay Atlantis prices, the British Colonial Hilton is a really good spot as well. Uh, I've been there before. We also... Uh, I'll post a link in our show notes at royalcreamblog.com with a review of the British Colonial Hilton. It's a great spot. You can actually walk to the British Colonial Hilton from your cruise ship. It's really close, actually. It's not, it's not close enough that it's like, oh boy, but it's close enough that you can easily walk there, and it's a beautiful spot, and really a fraction of the price, so you're all good to go. Next, we have an email from Ilona. I hope I said that name right. I recently read in a travel guide that there is a free trolley operating in Old San Juan. I Googled it. 
to be sure. And indeed, there seems to be such a service that has three uh, trolley services around the old town. All routes even stop in front of the cruise piers. Have you by chance tried the service during your visits? Seems like an easygoing way to explore the town in addition to walking around. I was I was wondering how crowded it gets and if it's worth waiting around for. Great question. Yes, absolutely. They do offer these shuttle service, trolley services, whatever you want to call it. It's actually, I recommend it for a lot of folks who have mobility issues because Old San Juan is on a hill and your cruise ship docks at the bottom of the hill and the old Spanish forts are at the top of the hill. But anyway, one of the best approaches you can have, quite frankly, is to get the, grab the trolley that you mentioned. It's complimentary. There's no cost to it. Uh, right near where your cruise ship docks and then take the trolley up to the top of the hill to where the Spanish forts are. So that way, all you're doing is walking downhill. You know, being an old city... It, there are some steep inclines, there's some steps involved, but it's always easier to walk downhill than obviously uphill, and it's an easy strategy. I'm not sure that I would rely on the trolley to be like a, a tour bus necessarily, but it is a good uh, means of getting from point A to point B, especially especially during the warmer months of the year when you need a break and you're schwitzing too much and you could use that. It's certainly a good option for you. So yes, it is. it's definitely the trolley service is a thing. It's complimentary. And, hey, if you need a little bit of a break or you'd prefer to save your energy for later on when you're walking all around because there's a lot to do, it's definitely the way to go. I haven't actually used it personally because when I get on, I just love exploring. I just walk off the ship and I just start walking in any direction. And wherever the path takes me, I find where I'm going. But I'll tell you that it's one of my favorite places to visit in the world. And on top of that, if you whether you use a trolley or service or not, there's a lot to see and do. No question about that. Next, we have an email from... Who was our next email from? Ah, it is from Jason. I have no idea what Jason's email is, but I just got to tell everybody. The subject line for Jason's email is food with an exclamation point. So already, I know I'm going to love this email. Jason writes, uh, hey, Matt, it's Jason from Olympia, Washington here. First, I just want to say how much I enjoy all the content you put across all the platforms. My wife and I found your podcast a couple months ago, and I've now listened to every one that you have out there. And I always look forward to Wednesday morning when the next one is released. We're going on our first cruise on Navigator of the Seas at 99 through the ABC Islands on Labadee next March. I'm wondering what food options are open on, on Embarkation Day. I know the Windjammer is, but what else would you recommend? We're so looking forward to this cruise, and I plan to do a live blog while we're on. I very much enjoy reading those uh, as well. Thanks for all you do. Makes the days, weeks, and months go faster till our cruise. Man, Jason, I've done that, I've done that exact sailing, that nine-night ABC Island Labadee sailing out of Miami. It is awesome, I got to tell you. So good. I gotta, it, it's incredible, quite frankly. Um, amazing itinerary, amazing ship, one of my favorite ships in the whole wide world. So you're definitely doing really, really well there. Now, in terms of what's available to, what's besides the Windjamer, where you can uh, eat on board the ship on vacation day, there are other options as well. And one of the best ways, I'm going to read, I'm going to give you the answers, but I also want to let everybody know that if you're wondering what other restaurants are going to be available on your particular ship, the way that I figure it out and the way that you can figure it out is look at a, a old cruise compass from a recent sailing. We keep an archive of them at royalcaribbeanblog.com. And the reason why is because, you know what, it really doesn't change all that much. Not a lot. Um, so let me give you one from, I'm going to look for, I have a lot of uh, ones from Navigator of the Seas over here. Here's one from Southern Nine Nights of the Caribbean from November. And uh, we'll look at this here for Embarkation Day. You're going to expect to find uh, the Windjammer open. Uh, Chops Grill is open from noon to 1.30. Obviously, Chops Grill is going to have an extra cost to it. Um, and you're going to have Cafe Promenade. You'll have Ben & Jerry's is open if you want some ice cream. And it says room service is open 24 hours, so I guess theoretically that'll work. But you're basically limited to Windjammer, uh, Chops, 
and Cafe Promenade, right? And then there's pizza there as well from their Sorrento's offerings. Uh, keep in mind, though, that that Navigator of the Seas is getting an upgrade next year, and they may add some new venues, which may alter this slightly. But the bottom line is, if you can find... These are the things you can definitely bet on. But on Navigator, crowding isn't really a big issue. I wouldn't worry too much about it, Jason, quite frankly, in terms of the... Um, in terms of the options there, especially if you get the, to the terminal earlier, you can beat the crowd. It's one of the number one reasons why I recommend getting to your cruise terminal, your, aka your cruise ship, early on day one. Not because you're not just because you're super excited and can't wait to start your cruise, but because you'll beat the crowds. You'll get on board first, you'll get to the Windermere first, and you'll eat first, and then you'll beat all those lines that are out there. Um, I also have to before we wrap up this episode, I have to. Two emails caught my eye that came in after last week's episode because in last week's episode somebody said they didn't like the way I pronounced the Windjammer, right? The the Windjammer. I call it the Windjammer. It's an old joke. I've mentioned it a bunch of times on this podcast that it's a family joke that um, our first roller coaster cruise, my youngest sister, I had no idea what it was pronounced, so she thought legitimately it was pronounced Windjammer, like a French word. And so ever since then I've been calling it that. Anyway, somebody last episode was like, "Matt, can you please stop calling? It's really annoying." And okay, I laughed it off. Okay, that's funny. I wasn't planning on stopping it, but there's some people that are really passionate about me not by keeping me calling it within Jamer. Our first email is from Zach from Raleigh. Writes just listen to the podcast where someone asks you to stop calling it the Windjammer, the Windjammer. Please don't stop calling it the Windjammer. <laughs> and then the next email was somebody who wrote in their subject line in capital letters, so you know it's important. Please. Don't ever stop saying Windjamer. And Shantae wrote, I was listening to the latest episode and an email asked that you uh, stop saying Windjamer. And I was like, no. That's one of the first things I fell in love with about your podcast. So I had to email and say, please keep it. Hashtag Team Windjamer. Uh, Shante writes, uh, you have such a great personality, and I love listening to each episode every Wednesday. It's been getting me through this long year as I count out to my next Royal Caribbean cruise on Liberty of the Seas this October. Thanks for all you do. Well, Shante and Zach and all you other people out there that love, admire, and can't get enough of me completely mispronouncing Windjammer on purpose, don't worry. Windjammer will continue living on. I promise to continue to say it that way. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. I just fast forward through those parts. <laughs> Well, that's going to wrap things up here. If you'd like to send me your emails about something on your mind, whether it's about how I pronounce something or don't pronounce something, or maybe it's about a question about your upcoming Royal Caribbean cruise, you can always do so by sending it to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs>